please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Beloved, uh, let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 15. We'll continue our series in the book of Exodus. We've got just a few verses, uh, but they're important. Uh, give you a glimpse as to some of the some of the trials uh, in the journey. Now, the people of Israel, once redeemed out of Egypt, and God, Jehovah, is in the camp, you think, well, everything's going to go very splendidly well. Uh, and I'm sure the people had that expectation because the Lord had shown magnificent splendor uh, in taking them out of Egypt and saving them, uh, delivering them from cruel bondage, uh, from Pharaoh's uh, merciless threats. And they had just seen the devastation uh, of, of Egypt there in the Red Sea. Pharaoh, his chariots and horses just drowned, thrust down in the anger of God to the bottom of the Red Sea like, like stones. <laughs> That's a very impressive sight. And then we saw here the whole of the congregation of the Lord uproariously praising God for his great, great deliverance in the Song of Moses. This has got to be a high point. And now we're going to see that uh, <clears throat> life with God is not always, not always about high points. Life with God <clears throat> has its ebbs and flows. And we've really got to learn this uh, because we, uh, the Bible tells us these things for, for very good reasons, that we follow the Lord thick and thin. And uh, because he does lead us, and he will lead us through all manner of ways, some very, very pleasant and some very, very bitter. Let me read to you then Exodus 15, verses 22 through 27. Hear now the word of our Lord. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, and therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water, and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. That's why I'm reading God's holy and inerrant word. Let's pray. Lord, once again, we turn to your Bible because we turn to you, and we long to learn uh, and to be challenged, to correct it, to be encouraged, but also, Lord, to see the glory of our God. We pray you'd open our eyes and our, our ears, that our hearts may be full of you and your truth. And we pray this by your mercies, promised in Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Just a short section of scripture, but very important. The teaching here this evening is that Jehovah 
leads his redeemed people into difficulty. And Jehovah, our God, will lead his people, he will lead us into difficulty to test our obedience and trust. But Jehovah will also refresh his people, giving them a foretaste of their promised inheritance. He will lead us in trials to test us, but he will also give us refreshment and rest and strength and hope and joy in giving us a bit of a taste, a foretaste, well, really of his person, of his goodness, and of his heaven. We'll see this in three, or rather four points this evening. First point, Jehovah leads his redeemed people into bitter difficulty. You know, slavery was bitter for the Hebrews in Egypt. Uh, this is something that, that, that caught them a little bit by surprise. But this is what Jehovah, in fact, did. Jehovah leads them in the cloud, and he leads them in the pillar of fire. So this is unmistakably their God who's leading. I mentioned this before. Moses is a spokesman, and Moses is at the front, and he is uh, acting as a sort of a, a, a mediator, uh, even really a very strong Christ figure at times. But uh, it is Jehovah who leads, and he's leading them away from the shores of the Red Sea, they've got to get on because they've been promised land, according to the promises uh, to Abraham. And they, those promises cannot fail. Uh, at the shores of the Red Sea, they had just seen uh, 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 an amazing spectacle of the Lord's display of power and favor, where he differentiated once again Israel from the world, Israel from Egypt. Uh, they had witnessed a, a miraculous victory, uh, an overwhelming victory and a rescue. And they had greatly praised Jehovah in song and in joy, in merriment. And then he led them for three days uh, into the wilderness of Shur. Now, this is a, this is a desolate place. Uh, remember, I, I spoke earlier that, that Moses was leading his people, but Moses didn't know the way that the Lord would, would take, because some of these parts he was not familiar with. Other parts Moses was familiar around, around Horeb, and uh, thanks to his, his 40 years there living with Jethro, his, uh, his father-in-law. But he, Moses is disposed to follow Je uh, Jehovah just as the rest of the camp. And there they are, and they, have now, uh, they are now without water. Water is essential. Water is essential, especially in a dry in a very arid climate where, I don't know if you've ever been in desert regions, uh, you are very quick to dehydrate uh, because the moisture in your body wants to escape you. And, uh, and so if you, don't, uh, if you don't find water pretty soon, you're going you're gonna to really, you're going to dry up and it's a very, very painful way to go. Um, and here we see uh, two and a half million souls without water. Uh, this is a city about, a, you know, maybe a third the size of Houston. Can you imagine the Houston water systems and the, the water company being shut down for even a portion of the city? Yeah, there would be a lot of commotion. There would be a lot of concern uh, because in the, in the heat and in the humidity, especially in the summers here in Houston, uh, the city would be in great peril especially the elderly and uh, the children, they're all here, souls without water. 
And uh, so we find here a tremendous temptation. The question that must come up, they see the pillar of cloud and they see the pillar of fire. And so it, the, the question that comes up must be, how long will we follow Jehovah without finding water? <clears throat> I, I mean, it is, I have to admit, uh, it is perplexing, my friends. Uh, to When you become a Christian, you find out that there is something about dealing with, with the Lord uh, who has uh, uh, an inscrutable wisdom, unsearchable ways. His judgments are beyond finding out. His logic seems to fail, but in the end, uh, he does show himself to be faithful and, and having true vision, Twenty twenty. But this question has to, has to be in their mind. How long? I mean, we've gone three days and we're already in trouble and we're thirsting. And then the Lord gives them something which to the eye looks very promising. Oh, you can just see the camp marching forward and then they come to a pool of water. Oh, good. You can imagine some of those in the camp just rushing forward, maybe diving in and taking great gulps. I don't know what the chemical was in here, in the water, in the, in the makeup of this water, but this water was not good. Uh, a bitter, uh, it's more than just a, a low pH vinegary taste. I, I, I believe that the word more has to do with the fact that the water was actually dangerous. And if you, if you drank this, um, it, it, would be, it would be some toxic water. It, it would be toxic water and not, and not good. This is not about, you know preferring alkaline water, high pH water to, to neutral water. This is not it. It's not a matter of preference. Uh, the water was undrinkable. But the trial is that it looked right. <laughs> They're being taught little by little to walk with Jehovah by faith and not by sight. Little by little, the camp of God is going to be trained to trust, not their eyes, but God. And we must also learn that. This trial then is memorialized in Scripture. It's, this is one of the reasons why I believe the Scripture is not of human origin. No people in history has ever recorded their fabulous failures like the Hebrews have. They memorialize their victories. Sure. I mean, you know, the Syrians do that, the Babylonians do that, the Egyptians do that. But the Jews memorialized their failures. Why? Well, because they were a people who were interested in truth. And the truth of dealing with, God, with Jehovah, who is, my friends, an incomprehensible spirit. He has his ways, and he will lead us in his ways, inexplicable, confounding ways. <laughs> and if you trust your eyes, you'll go cross-eyed. This trial is memorialized in Scripture in the name of the place, Mara. Uh, which means bitter. My friends, all, no trial is pleasant. Some trials are unpleasant and some are bitter. It's a bitter disappointment. <laughs> it's a bitter disappointment to long for water and just, you can basically taste the refreshing, the refreshing coolness of it and your body is going to be finally rehydrated and you can get a good night's rest and everything's fine, only to find out that no. No trial is pleasant, but trials are necessary for God's people. And the Lord knows this, and he will try his people. 
uh, you might just say, well, why, why is that? Uh, look at it this way. It's, it's by a physical analogy. You know, you, you have sons. Those of, those of you who have had sons in, in, in sports, uh, 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 you'll understand. When, when my son Daniel <coughs> uh, was working out in our gym, when he first started out, uh, he could do some weights. Uh, but then little by little, you begin adding weights. And sometimes I would slap a disc or two in there just to see how well he could push. And he would push, he would almost fail, but then I would just lift up the bar and help him just maybe four ounces of help. And that was enough to get him going. It was a, it was a test to see if he really wanted to succeed, if he was really, if, his, if he was really for the Lord and going forward with his athletic program. Know God in his ways. Jehovah leads his redeemed people sometimes into bitter difficulty. Remember and memorialize Mara. Just mark it on the map, Mara. The second point is Jehovah's people must respond in this trial with trust and uh, with obedience in, in difficulty. Israel now uh, grumbled. Israel grumbled at being led to this awful, undrinkable, toxic water. And they forgot something. They forgot that God was good to them. They forgot that I am does not change. Of course not. That's his name. I am. <laughs> That's how he introduced himself. What he was, he is now, and he will forever be. Well, has he been gracious to the forefathers of the Hebrews? Certainly. He's not changed. They did not trust this the I am, Jehovah. They changed from joy and praise to anger, frustration, and grumbling. They did so within the space of three days. I mean, great joy, great rejoicing, spectacular service, worship service, only to be almost at the throat, if, I, if they could just get their hands around the Lord's throat. They changed from joy. It reminds you a little bit of the triumphal entry in Christ, and then just a few days later, they were, Jerusalem was, was ready to crucify him. Uh, this is not what Israel wanted. Uh, they didn't think that this was in the bargain. They should have known, of course, because they had always been sons of Abraham and the descendants uh, of, of Jacob. And, and yet they were enslaved there in Egypt for a great number of years. They should have known that God had never forgotten them, and yet he allowed this difficulty. But they, you know, it's, it's when you get into difficulty, it's not about thinking your way uh, through difficulty. Very few people are philosophical or even theological. Very few of us examine our lives critically, but we must. We must step back, and this is where it's very good for you to get a, a Christian friend who is removed from your circumstances, say by about 150 miles, and let him be a little more objective as to what may be happening there in your life and in the life of the congregation. This is not what Israel wanted, but you know what? This is what Israel needed. And there is no there's, there can be no dispute that whatever happens in your life happened by God's sovereign, loving, and most wise providence and good. It's a sovereign, wise, and good providence. And so, think again. I'm not going to. I'm not pretending that your philosophers are even great theologians, but I'm asking you to be reasonable creatures in the image of God, and you must stop. And you say, surely this that's come to me has not slipped through 
the fingers of God. Surely his hand is here. Let's, let's wait for the Lord because this is what the Lord has given me and this, of course, must be what I need. Now, if you can do this and you can do this with a spirit of meekness and quietness, you know, that, that is actually great faith. That, that, that is great gain in the Christian sanctification, the, the sanctified life. Israel grumbled at being led into undrinkable water, and Israel blamed Moses for bad leadership. Well, somebody has got to be the scapegoat. And the, the handiest the person to, to lose his head uh, in Israel was always the prophets. They couldn't attack the kings. The kings had armies. Okay? The priests, they were there for the people. They were always atoning for their sins and their sacrifice. But the prophets were crying out loud. They had good news, they had promises, and they had bad news. They had the law, and they were condemning them. And, and so it's mostly the prophets' heads that rolled. Israel blamed Moses for the bad leadership. And Moses, of course, here is a, a type of a, a human mediator leader. Uh, I won't press the point. I think you can see what this is. His intercession was absolutely uh, necessary at that time, <laughs> uh, even though we're going to be getting to see <clears throat> more and more uh, the failures, uh, warts in, in Moses. Uh, this is a great study for your pastor, uh, who uh, I, I hate to say that I'd like to see warts in other Christian leaders, but it makes me feel like, you know, all right, uh, okay, uh, they're sinners as well. Moses is a sinner. We're going to see him mess up in just a short while. But right now we see Israel mess up in a big way. Israel really grumbled, not against Moses. He, they were really grumbling against Jehovah. And this grumbling against Jehovah was more dangerous than any effect of drinking uh, toxic water at Marah. So we don't understand that the greatest, our greatest danger is sin. Sin is what got us into this predicament in the first place. Sin is what corrupted the initial creation. Sin is what made everything toxic. And here we go again, hoping to cure the toxicity of sin with sin. That's all flesh can do. That's all sinful creatures can do. Fight toxicity with toxicity. Unbelief, discontent, grumbling. These are very displeasing to God. Now God is a father and he's raising up children. And he knew this before he took them out of Egypt, that they would be recalcitrant, incorrigible, stiff-necked. He knew this. He knew that they would grumble against him, and yet he did so anyway, because he knows all things, he doesn't change. And yet here he is with his people, and he's still leading them to their promised land. This is a gracious God, long-suffering, forbearing, waiting patiently for the repentance of his people. Okay, this is a great God. Please don't blame God's messengers. <laughs> you know, that's, 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 that's the... Uh, that's the temptation. Bad news? Who brought it? Cut off his tongue? <laughs> Look, it's not going to help anybody. He's there by the appointment of God. Moses didn't choose this profession for himself. I think I'll grow up. When I grow up, I think I'll be a prophet. Forget it. Nobody thinks that way. It's a calling of God. Have pity on the guy. He responds to Jehovah. And he's representing you in his prayers to God. And God is being represented to you in your leader. Our leaders, church leaders. The government of Christ is upon his shoulders, but he vests it in human flesh, in elders and in, uh, and in deacons. And so, my friends, 
have, have mercy. Have mercy on God, on these people that are leading you. Uh, it's not their fault when you hit Mara. The third point of the sermon, Jehovah then graciously heals his people despite their sinful ways. Now, sometimes by providentially changing the, the circumstances. Uh, now, the Lord can do all things. And, and in this situation, because this is an infant church, because these are, these are spiritual infants for the most part, they're just now learning the ways of Jehovah. Uh, he will not change them internally. He will change the outward circumstances just to help them out, just to let them know that once again, yes, God is in the camp. Yes, this is the one that parted this the Red Sea. Yes, this is the one that in the clouds shielded us from the armies of Pharaoh, etc. And so even dire and dangerous situations turn into life-saving helps by the word of God, by his decree. And this is the way that the Lord will work. If he leads us into a danger, he has his purpose and he wants to demonstrate something of his goodness, something of his power and his majesty. He's a majestic king. And so Jehovah can turn even bitter waters into, into drinkable, potable waters. And he, uses, and he does this very simple means, insignificant means, uh, so that the people don't understand, well, yeah, this is Jehovah knows chemistry. Uh, Jehovah studied uh, water chemistry. Jehovah has a, has a, master's, a master's degree uh, in, in, uh, in, in sanitation, engineering, and water. No, that's not, that's not it. There's nothing in wood that can eradicate toxicity or this bitterness in a whole region of water here feeding 2.5 million people in, in, a, in, a short, in a short period of time. That's not the issue. The, the, the issue is the same thing that he used wood for and that staff and that stick of Moses where he lifts up his staff, all right, and the, and the Red Sea parts. There's nothing to that staff. That's the point. It's a stick of wood. And the same thing here is, is, the, is that this piece of wood is just, and he throws it in there, and the waters are, are made fine. I, I won't get into some other typologies. I know you go there and you think, well, this is the cross. Maybe, but I don't want to go there. I, I'm, I'm reluctant at this point. Now, later on in chapter 17, we can talk about some very amazing typologies. And you'll see them. You, you'll see these these very graphic stories, and they'll remind you of New Testament realities later on, but I won't preach this right now. Uh, Jehovah gra graciously heals his people despite their sinful ways. A at the prayer of his appointed leader, Moses, he cries out to the Lord. You know, the prayer of, of, of a righteous man avail as much. We've got to understand that God hears all prayer. But there is something about the right person praying. And whether we want to explain that or, you know, and, and be able to uh, harmonize that with what we know about prayer and mediation of Jesus, it doesn't matter. That's what the Bible presents us. And so if you have serious prayer uh, and, and prayer needs, direct your needs to God's appointed leaders. Uh, that's what the Bible teaches us. I'm not going to explain it because I, I don't know anything about us to say about that. And then Jehovah's, Jehovah's voice comes back in response. And Jehovah's voice is then to be believed and obeyed. And here's what he does. He admits that this has been a, a, a trial. 
And he says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Now, the Lord, uh, the Lord spoke this to Moses and Moses delivering this to, to the people, but the people are, are still slow to understand that when Moses speaks to them, he has the authority given to him by God to speak the very words of God. And, and these are verily the words of God. And what he's doing here, even before the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai are delivered, he's getting them accustomed to the fact that he is a king, that he has his ways with his people. His ways are orderly, they're moral, they're good. There are ordinances to be kept as well, precepts and ordinances and festivals and all that that he will give them. And they are to, uh, to obey and to listen to the voice of the Lord, not only in the moral law, but in the statutes. And with the law always comes the promise. Yeah, gospel and law go out, even today. A lot of uh, churches mean well by, by preaching the gospel, but since the people are not set up to believe that they need saving, and no one has any interest. You have to first convince people that they're sinners. We saw that this morning with the original young ruler and uh, that he, he thought he had kept all of his commandments from, from his youth up. The Lord showed him, well, no, actually, you, you've really quite done, you've quite done badly, actually. With the law comes the promise, and the Lord then gives him this promise. They are to be spared the diseases of Egypt. The Lord is their healer. You've heard the name Raphael. That's what it says in, in the Hebrew. El, God. God is, is their healer, Rapha. And so Jehovah heals the deadly toxicity, the bitterness of the waters, the physical waters at Mara, but also the spiritual hearts of the grumbling, toxic, bitter spirits the root of bitterness that is characteristic of everyone that is unregenerate. One of the most characteristic uh, features of, of, an, of a non-believer, of a person who's not born again, is the bitterness in his heart, especially as he gets older and older. He, he becomes more and more brittle and intolerant of others and, uh, and complains about everything especially about the wretched youth of his day, not knowing that all generations were wretched in their youth. Spiritual hearts of his grumbling, distrusting Israel. Jehovah is the healer of that. And so you are to learn and remember Jehovah's laws and promises. Whatever he speaks, you're to treasure in your heart. Why? Because not only is he God, but because he is your God. And if he's your God, then you will esteem nothing more than him. If you, if you love that girl that you're, that you're courting, the least thing that she whispers in your ear, you're going to remember, especially if she whispers it in your ear. How can you forget that, guys? She's the love of your life. You'll recall that moment 30 years later. Why? Because you love her. And that's what we do when God speaks and our hearts are his. We learn and remember God's laws and promises because he speaks and because he is our king and our God and he will lead us even through difficulty, through bitter difficulty, but he will heal the circumstances and he is able to heal our hearts as well. 
Let no one excuse bitterness, wrath, anger. We need to put those things away. We need to put on the new man that is made in the image of Christ, meekness and humility, long-suffering, patience. The work of God of anger is a strange work indeed. The final point is that Jehovah refreshes his redeemed with a foretaste of their inheritance. No sooner have they, uh, do they leave Mara than they come upon a real treasure. Uh, uh, this, is, this is a marvelous spot. I, I don't know if this place is still there, but I surely would love to see a place of 12 springs and 70 palm trees. Again, <laughs> the imagery and the typology. Uh, we could get it, we could really, with the medieval uh, Catholic theologians, we could really start writing books on this. This is great stuff. Um, but I just want to say this, that uh, when they came to Elam, uh, there with the 12 springs of water, and they were not bitter, they were sweet. This, this water being springs uh, was probably precipitation from the nearby mountains. It had been filtered uh, through uh, many uh, layers of <coughs> sediment rock and, and sand and purified. And so it was cold <laughs> and it was, it was delicious. It was delicious. It's not all trials and tribulations in following the Lord. Uh, just because you're, you're, you're taking up the cross of the Lord Jesus does not mean that every day is going to be a terrible day. Okay, uh, The Lord even in his day found somebody to carry his cross for him. And you're sure that you will receive friendships that will help you bear all manner of burdens and ease you on your way. But don't think hard thoughts of God as if he's always there stretching you to the limits like as if you were some kind of a rubber band and he wants to find your tensile strength. That's not it. That's not it at all. Jehovah will also lead you to times of refreshment, of pleasure, of feasting, of happiness. It's all by his grace. And especially, my friends, especially if you're expecting to be smacked after grumbling a couple kilometers behind you. And he just made a mess of your testimony as Jehovah's people, not, not, too, not too far back in Mara. And you think, oh no, uh, we've upset the Lord our God. He's going he's gonna to be wrathful as he was wrathful with Egypt. Not so. He's not wrathful. He's leading you here to give you a foretaste of the, of the promised land. This is what Canaan land is about. A land with rolling hills, a pleasant land uh, with springs in the valley and, and uh, all manner of goodness. Fruited trees. Uh, God's goodness is measured by your perception of your wickedness. That's why the memorial at Mara. That's why when we confess sins every Sunday morning and evening, it's a memorial, a stake in the ground saying, look, we, we really deserve to be escorted out of this place. But God has promised to be our God, and he saves sinners. And he will deal gently with us. And he will heal our souls, and he will forgive our sins, and he will deal with us most pleasantly. Look, we, we, he invited us to his table this morning as friends, bread and wine. This is a foretaste of the promised land to Israel. Twelve springs of water, all the water they need. Twelve tribes, twelve springs. He, ha he, has, all, he has his people's name in mind, his memory. His, his promises to Jacob and, and, and his offspring. 
70 palm trees, palm trees being a symbol of endurance, of beauty, of, uh, of, of uh, lasting greenery, even of shade. I know that Jehovah is our shade in our right hand because he's the pillar of cloud and he provides substantial shade in the wilderness. So it's nice to be under a palm tree. I think everyone here would agree that. I love the shade of a palm tree and really wonderful refreshment. This is an earnest of paradise. Again, the people, this is, this is a, a, a fledgling group, a fledgling congregation. They, they are being trained, as it were, on training wheels. They're learning about God in small steps. But little by little by little, they, they are learning that Jehovah is not only to be trusted, but is to be loved and thanked and adored for his greatness, for his his gentleness makes us great. And uh, his goodness is what leads this people to repentance. His goodness is what leads his people to repentance. And so, my friends, the church today will have times of refreshment and joy and comfort, along with severe trials in their pilgrimage. Now, in the good days, uh, you need to be equipped. You need to be forging your armor. You need to be sharpening your blades. You need to be donning your shoes and in a time of peace, now now's the time where we can get the gospel out. Now's not the time to retire. Now that we have the sunshine clear and, and peace, we have a kind of a Pax Romana here, you know, where the highways are clear of bandits and we, we have some liberties. We have some liberties still. Now is the time to be aggressive in getting the gospel out. Because, you know, it's day and we have to work while it's day. Night comes and there's nobody going to be able to work at night. Times of difficulty will come upon Israel. Times where they will have to tend to their own wounded, and even perhaps their own wounds. But so far we have here an earnest that is better than the taste of the water. The water they will remember. But who can forget Elam? Who can forget such a sight after walking more than three days in the wilderness? The Holy Spirit, then, is what we need, my friends. He, he is, in Isaiah 55, the perfect spring of water. He is the one who invites us to drink of that water that refreshes the soul. And so I know, if you've been alert, if you've lived more than about seven years on this earth, that you can recall some very difficult times and perhaps some bitter times. But have you been able to find refreshment in that bitter time? And I'm not saying, <clears throat> have, you found, have you found divertimenti? You know, I, I don't say that. Did you find a new sport to take up, to, to love? Did you find a new yoga uh, exercise pattern that helps you uh, to relax more? That's fine. You can do all that. I, I do stretches in the morning. I don't have to confess that. But what I'm saying is, do you delight yourself in God's goodness to you and his promises? And has he given you some kind of earnest, some kind of taste of the righteousness of Christ that is yours or that is going to be yours at his coming. That he will acquit you before angels and men and acknowledge you as his own and he will point you to your, your Elam, your paradise that's prepared for you from before the foundations of the earth. Can you imagine? Yes, you, little, little you. God has had you in, in, in mind all this time. Are you tasting some of that? If not, just ask the Lord to, to give you a taste, just a sip. 
He has promised it in his book. And whatever the Lord promises, he's bound to give you because he's faithful to his word. Just persist in prayer until he gives you some refreshment. And then you'd be surprised how much nonsense, how much, how much hardship you can, you can put up with in this world. Maybe you'll even be able to drive I-10. I don't know. I don't know. Let me conclude this sermon. Jehovah leads his redeemed people into difficulty to test their obedience and trust. Uh, but Jehovah also refreshes them with a foretaste of their promised inheritance. As I said already, Jehovah's ways are unfathomable. Past finding out he is not predictable, although he does bind himself to his word. He is God. And you and I were, were dust. Your trials will hardly make any sense to you. It's frustrating to be under trial. It's not pleasant. No one welcomes these things. But trust God, and he's faithful to his word. Your internal spiritual trials, <clears throat> the trials of the heart, that's where the battle will be won or lost. You, you must seek <clears throat> a quiet and gentle spirit in turning to God in confidence and waiting on God. That is all your strength. Cover your mouth. Put your hand over your mouth. Find a place you can sit down and tell your soul to wait on Jehovah. Just wait on the Lord. Wait. And you will not be disappointed. God turns bitterness into refreshment. <clears throat> you can pray that you let he do that for you and for others, for your friends, for your family. And then thank God that you always have not, not, not your elders and deacons. Yeah, they're, they're helps. But you, the greatest help is the mediator that's indicated in the scripture so many times acknowledged in the New Testament later, Moses. Moses as a representative of God's people before the throne of God. Thank God for the Lord Jesus because he knows what it is like to be man. He knows your frame intimately. He knows how to be tempted and how to overcome temptation. He, he, he knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to, to submit to the Lord's will when it's difficult to submit. And so he is able to send you his help. He sends you his help by having you strongly believe, take comfort in all the promises of God, and especially by giving you his, his Holy Spirit, which again is an earnest of the very life of God in eternity. Now all these things are given to us because God is a, a gracious God and uh, the redeemer of, of, of sa the savior of sinners. And so in his gospel, he promises to be our God and he promises eternal life for all those who believe on the source of redemption, Jesus Christ. If you believe on him, remember that he was that Passover lamb that made that leaving of Egypt possible. He's the one that in his blood filtered all our sins out so that the Lord could see only righteousness and the, the covering of the Lord Jesus. Now remember him. Believe that gospel and follow the Lord Jesus not only as your priest, as that lamb and, and, and priest who, who offered himself as a sacrifice, but also as, as our king and our prophet. Christ, Christ is all we have, all we need, our full economy of 
redemption and deliverance and heaven. Follow him, believe in him, trust him, obey him. Let's pray. Now, Lord, as we have studied this text, <clears throat> we <clears throat> see ourselves as a church. Even in your primitive church, uh, we see their failures and <clears throat> we dare not be so critical <clears throat> because we see ourselves in there. But we also see, Lord, your gentleness and <clears throat> you're taking up your lambs and, and teaching us and healing us and giving us your word <clears throat> that we might always trust you, that we might give you the glory in trusting you and in obeying you. And we thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is consistently and always leading us in triumph to our final destination. You are the God of our days, both now and forever. You do not change. So we delight, Lord, that you are who you are. We pray, Lord, that we would be yours and that you would be ours forever. <clears throat> we pray through Jesus, the mediator. Amen. Our last hymn was...